0: Welcome to Impulse, Powered by Rehound Ventures, a podcast that puts different perspectives on all developments in tech and entrepreneurialism. Thank you, of course, as always, to our guests, and last but not least, you, our dear listeners. Today we talk with Chiang Kai Feng. He is a musician, a songwriter, a data analyst, and also a TEDx talk speaker we will be sharing um, his TEDx talk as a link with you so that you can have a look for yourself and see Kai in action after this podcast. Today, we'll be talking about data governance and the human side of AI. So welcome, Kai.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's great to be here. And it's great to talk about a topic that I'm very passionate about. So thanks for having me.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Now, Tienkai, Um, You're actually a a musician, a songwriter, and um, data analyst. And uh, recently um, you also had a TEDx talk. So um, how was it standing on the stage um, talking about topics that you're passionate
1: about? Um, I think um, I've been performing as a musician for a while now. I mean, that started already in my early student days. And I've been giving keynotes as well. But um, so far, in more of an expertise audience, it was more related to PowerPointing myself through presentations, as one does. Uh, But giving a TEDx talk is very different, I think, right? So um, everything is in your head, basically. You have to remember everything. You have to be very careful about your voice, your gestures, your mimic, and everything. Um, so that was very, very cool as an experience, but also nerve-wracking, I have to say, <laughs> uh, to, to do all of that and prepare yourself for a speech. Um, but yeah, uh, it was very fun in the end, absolutely.
0: Okay, that's great. Now, look, you, you uh, opened your talk with a, a song that was composed by uh, ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Um, so based on that experience,
1: who, who does it better, the, the human <laughs> uh, or, or the machine? Um so I would say that the a machine is definitely doing it faster than a human being. Like I would not be able to write so many verses and lines as quickly as ChatGPT did. But the quality of the lyrics and the let's say um the music, let's say the chords is really not that great at this point in time. So it's really it feels very mechanic, very generic and um almost like sometimes a little bit too much on the surface, not deep enough I would say. Um, So I took a lot of time to tweak it, right? Like it took me like 40 iterations to work on what initially ChatGPT gave me to further work on it with ChatGPT. But in the end, I still wasn't really satisfied with it. But I was thinking, well, that's kind of the point of my talk anyway. So why not just go with it and then surprise people with the um, reveal and then talk about creativity uh, within data and AI, for example. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I mean, in that sense, I mean, it is astounding how how far the technology has already come in a relatively short period of time. So I think we can all imagine, um, you know, loads of improvements coming online relatively quickly. And and I mean, you just talked about using it basically as a as a tool. So could you imagine also in the future, um, instead of you know writing your own song from scratch, just really getting into a habit or a routine of of using um, you know, some kind of language model as as maybe the starting point and, and working with that as, as part of the creative process?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I would say um, a lot of the songwriting, for example, is spent on making the lyrics work, right? And making lyrics work means the text has to be consistent and coherent within itself, but also that it rhymes very simply, right? And um, sometimes when I start writing a verse, I don't know how to end the first because the last word has to rhyme with the last word of the previous line, for example. So what I do is I go to a rhyme dictionary and look up all the words that rhyme with the word and then try to compose accordingly. And with AI, for example, right, that would be much more automatic, much more sophisticated. It would not be manual work anymore. It would probably suggest me already on what word to end my next line. And then uh, I think I can be more creative as in not do the mechanical human work anymore, but just think within certain guardrails uh, to compose further. Um, Also, when it comes to, I would say, um, the instruments and the, uh, let's say, music itself, Um, In pop music specifically, there's just given patterns of how pop music works, right, and how certain chords follow each other, same as what instruments to use. And I think AI will be probably very good in identifying these patterns and suggesting them to say, oh, you should use these instruments and play it in this uh, uh, sequence, and then it might sound good. Um, But um, I would say it will be helpful, but we can never really fully remove the human element, right? It's going to be always just guiding human beings and helping human beings, but not really replacing the creativity and the songwriting part completely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think pop music is an interesting example um, because, you know, in the past it was, you know, a certain um, a number of, of people that were in the kind of exclusive club of having cracked the formula and being able to, you know, crank out hits. Um, and then with, you know, the tools, suddenly these things become much more democratized. So you don't need to be the star producer necessarily. Um, you know, you, you could have um, access to that kind of secret sauce um, just as a, let's say, more more average uh, person. That's interesting. That is true. um, Tienkai, um you, you, you're a musician on the one hand and, and data analysis on the other. Now, that might seem a bit contradictory, um, music mm-hmm. obviously being something, you know, very creative. And, and data, you know, often has this kind of ring to it that it's a rather, rather dry um uh, a material at the end of mm-hmm. the day, so, so how, how do you bring those two things to, together and, and maybe in that sense also just talk a little bit about, you know, um, how, how you got to be those two things combined, uh, the data analysis
1: and uh, the musician. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I would say that my musician journey started much earlier than my professional journey, right? So I started playing piano when I was five. I started writing music when I was fifteen, and I was in bands and so on when I was sixteen. So uh, far before I started studying, um, let's say analytics or data or marketing, um, I had to I learned basically how to play the piano and how to be a musician. But I did realize very quickly that there were certain parallels. Uh, between working with music and working in data. For example, um, in music, you have like a given scale of uh, different notes, right? Like you have the whole um, C minor scale or like a C major scale. And that is a given set of notes that you use to build a melody or you build like a certain harmony with it. In data, it's similar as you have given sets of numbers or metrics and you try to make sense of it together. Right, and see what in the data makes value. What patterns do you see? What decisions can I derive from it? That's kind of how it makes. And also when it comes to teamwork, right, and working together um, as a band, for example, is a lot equally as much about playing as much as it is about listening, right? So you listen to your bandmates of what they're playing and you play accordingly, but you have to play your role as well. And the data is very similar as in that data team alone cannot does any value until it's being collaborated on with other departments that actually make decisions because of it. So without actually knowing it, a lot of the being a musician part gave me a lot of impulses that made me a better data leader, I think. And I mean, now it's even more obvious, right? We just talked about how data uh, is already making um, like machines imitating music possible, which means there's already a whole structure element behind music that we always knew it was there. But now AI just makes it much more clear to everyone that actually... Behind the creativity, there's a lot more structure than we think, and it's just more about mixing the structural part with the human creativity part to bring it together. Okay, I mean, you,
0: you obviously um, carry a, an optimistic outlook on technology, mm-hmm. and I think that was also something that came through um, in your in your TED talk. Mm-hmm. Um, why why are you so optimistic that technology will um, you know be a, a net positive uh, for society going forward?
1: Um, I do think that we had a lot of innovations that were disruptive in the history of humankind already, and I mean, this is just my optimism speaking, but none of them led to the end of the world yet, right? <laughs> we always knew there were they would be dangerous, like bringing in cars to the world or bringing social media to the world or having a television at home and we were always afraid of things that might happen, but they didn 't happen because we're human beings got pulled ourselves together and we made it work that it's not going to the bad scenario. And I think with AI, it's probably very similar. We are now at the edge where it's just coming into the world and everybody's aware of it. And we're all a little bit afraid of it or enthusiastic about it, depends on who you talk to. But we all know that we have to do the right thing with it, right? That we don't let bad people use it for bad purposes and that we all have to use it for the good things and be observant and be responsible that we don't let bad things happen. Um, And because it's so ubiquitous in the world right now and everybody is kind of having touch points with it, um, I believe in the humankind to say, um, I know what is right and wrong, so let's go to make it right and not wrong. So that's why I'm optimistic about the whole thing.
0: <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, I think in, in this whole discussion and, and you mentioned it there, are of course, also a lot of concerns and, and, and people are also, besides talking about the benefits, um, also focusing on, on certain risks. So mm-hmm. what do you think needs to be done that we can, and now we're back to the Jedi Council, make sure yeah. that this force um, is, is ultimately a force for good and, and not a force for evil, let's say?
1: Absolutely. I think there is two things, right? Um, as I mentioned before, one is just trusting our human instinct and our human judgment. We all have a conscience and hopefully we all know what is right and wrong. That should give us enough Uh, Power to uh, be observant and know when things are wrong. But that is, of course, not enough. Right. I think we definitely need more rules and need more regulation in a certain extent to make sure that nothing bad is happening because it has to be enforced. Otherwise, um, we still just hope that things will go well or not. And I mean, the recent EU AI Act did happen. Right. And I know it's very controversial. I do feel it's a little bit too generic and a little bit too one size fits all approach, because it has to be a bit, bit more differentiated according to different AI use cases to make the right choices there. But the intent, I think, is the right one. Right, that we can we have to be now and act very quickly to make sure that we don't let it escalate before it's too late, right? And I mean, besides talking about privacy concerns or talking about, um, let's say, the displacement of jobs because it might replace certain professions, that is one thing, but it can be even more dangerous, right? If we use it for like weapons, for example, and let autonomous weapons happen that can target on on their own on people, then we talk about life and death consequences too. And we cannot let that part happen. So putting regulations in place is to first stop it a little bit uh, and on its route is good. Now let's try to work with it and maybe differentiate it a little bit more. I think that would be my w- wish scenario.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I share that that sentiment. I, I think it's it's right to to set up regulation for such a topic, which will influence us in in almost every area of life. And I also think regulation needs to to evolve. Um, I'm maybe mm-hmm. a bit skeptical. Um, in regards to the European Union, because of, you know, the kind of track record of, of being heavily bureaucratic and, and maybe in many areas over regulating. Sure. But look, uh, I think it's, it's, it's important to do something. On the other hand, if we look at the global landscape, we of course have um, other markets, let's say uh, we have the, the US and, and, and also China, which are also, of course, actually um, leading in the field of mm-hmm. AI development. Here. Actually, um, relatively far behind. So right. how do you, just looking at the global landscape, um, how do you see the path going forward if, if we have different regulations in, in different markets? Doesn't that lead to um, certain conflicts or Im- imbalances going forward?
1: Um, I think it definitely will lead to imbalances and differences. But on the other hand, this is not new either, right? Let's talk about, for example, differences between China and the European Union. We know already since long ago that China is just Chinese consumers are just far less concerned about privacy and their data security than European citizens, right? And that has always led to them using more of the data and making their own kind of advanced algorithms to even score people based on their uh, financial situation or whatever they're doing in their day-to-day, which is not possible and heavily regulated on the European side, right? And I think with new AI use cases, that cultural element of it all, of how just people think and how they act is not changing, right? They're just gonna gonna amplify probably the cultural Differences a lot more. I think as long as it doesn't lead to a huge conflict, right, and lead to like really um, big human being related um, kind of uh, debates, um, it, it should be fine as long as we find some common ground across all of the different countries that certain things are just not okay and that we all agree that this is globally not acceptable to do. Right. And um, I hope now that at least um, certain countries are making their own kind of deals. But we do have global organizations, not only the, let's say, state institutions, but also just like industry related institutions to make sure that we bring people together and have exchanges, um, that this is leading to a more uh, transparent exchange between different countries and states to to make the right decisions.
0: Okay, so look, we we can all now see how things develop on a, on a global level in terms of international standards uh, going forward but uh, definitely that that will be something that you know will need international alignment on um tenkai maybe taking a bit from the the high level um maybe to something that's that's a bit more um a closer also to um you know uh, for example the situation in in, in germany or, or other country markets i mean you know we have medium and, and large size companies which of course will also be impacted by by AI and Mm -hmm. and here um, you know all of these companies generally are in a position to to generate um, huge amounts of of data based on on the businesses that they're in be it in in manufacturing um, that's where we come from be it in 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 services Um, so you know, based on what you see out there, I mean, what are the, the opportunities for, for companies who, who sit on this data, but what are also maybe kind of the, the risks or, or the pitfalls? Um, because obviously uh, this data is, you know, very different in terms of, of quality, in terms of availability, you know, many, many companies are just not really set up to, to leverage what they, what they have. Can, can you talk a bit about that, what your observations are in that space?
1: Sure, and, and maybe let me just quickly start about also how AI works in a nutshell, right? So we can get to what, what, where the value is. But in really simple words, what AI is doing is to identify patterns within data and then recontextualize these patterns in new environments, right? So if it knows certain things always work in a certain way, then let's apply it to this new data set and then we do some magic almost and then reproduce it. But to be able to identify patterns first, it has to work with the loads of data, right? And to learn from it first, that's why it's called machine learning, to then apply it differently. Now, if we talk about... um, any kind of company, right? The more you have repeatable tasks that also are following industry standards and that a lot of other companies are also doing, the more likely AI is going to help you automate it, right? Because let's say, for example, that accounting kind of thing, or let's say financial kind of processes, might be very similar within certain types of companies. So an AI will know all of that and can suggest you how to automate um, a very manual process that it was before into an automated one. But on the other hand, the more you are unique, the more you are disruptive, and the more you bring a complete new service or product to the world, the less AI can help you because there's no historical data that it can work with. It doesn't know how it works because there's no history that can prove that it worked in a certain way. So in a certain way, you have to build up that data first and try everything very human logic based until at some point you have enough data to actually let AI do its work. Right. And I think one more big risk I would say is data quality. That is where I'm coming from. Right. Data governance is a lot about having good usable data. And because, the requirements towards data quality in the past were very fragmented, right? So like for this specific use case, I need this data, this quality, and now let's talk about every different use case and use it in that quality. AI needs it... Um, as comprehensive and as high quality as possible for everything because it needs as high amount of data and as broad amount of data and contextualized data as possible. So now getting the data quality up to speed to be ready for AI and for large language models, for example, is a huge effort. Like if you haven't taken care of your data quality in a more comprehensive way before, now it's high pressure time, right? Because now you want AI to work. But we always talk about garbage in, garbage out, right? If your data sucks, basically, then your AI will not give you any good outcomes either, right? So taking care of the foundational element of data now in your organization is definitely key before you can do any advanced things with it. And yeah, we have all have to get ready for it. And just one more thing on it, with the regulations coming, as we just talked about, you have even higher pressure because now it's even a legal thing that you have to do <laughs> to get your data basically up to the requirements. Um, so there's a lot more on the foundation elements of data that will be now pushing organizations to get better um, before they actually can apply AI algorithms.
0: I mean, that's, I think, a a very important message uh, at this point, because I think, you know, one of the benefits of AI, and you mentioned that, is is productivity increase. That's something that's a benefit to to companies, but also, in the end, a benefit to society. I mean, you know, if we get you know, past the, the, the point of, of, you know, uh, the fear blocking us in terms of, you know, jobs being substituted by AI. At the end of the day, it just means that we have more time and resources to spend on, on other things. So exactly, that's, I think, one of the, the, the big, you know, elements of progress in, in AI. But what you're saying is that if, if you're not ready as, as a company in terms of uh, your data governance, your, your data quality, you simply will be left out of this huge productivity increase. So that at the end of the day means um, it's almost a question of, of survival. So if you're not able to, to govern your, your data, you, you will be left out of this kind of AI revolution. And that's a that's a powerful message. Um, based yeah. on your experience, can you talk a little bit about what a company should be doing to establish um, uh, a solid, uh, forward-looking data governance strategy? What are some of the the key things that need to be um, addressed? Yeah.
1: I think, I mean, this is, um, as any strategic um, planning go- goes, you start with defining where you want to go, right? So what are the and data use cases that we are putting all our bets on, right? So we're going to do AI, for example, for specific purposes. We're going to do reporting for specific purposes. We're going to make decisions for certain purposes and define that as long-term as you can, let's say for the next five to 10 years, right? From there, you then check and assess where you are right now. Is your data at this point ready for all these use cases? And if not, then you have a fit gap analysis, right? You know where biggest improvement um, optimizations are and where what you can do And what is even the most urgent? Because sometimes you feel like super blind spots, as you can uh, then imagine you have to say, okay, we have to definitely work on this now. So based on this fit gap analysis, you create a roadmap and say, we start with the most urgent things where we are definitely completely blind and then incrementally improve the other things to get ready for all of these use cases. And um, yeah, that applies to um, data governance specifically too, where you know, based on the pain points and the um, issues that you have, Uh, where to start first and what you need to establish to get there sometimes that means you need more transparency sometimes it means you need more um, accountability on a uh, organizational side sometimes it means you have to have more technologies in place but it's then very differentiated depending on what type of issues you have but that is all part of data governance right so assessing what the problem is and then basically executing improvements that's what it's all about
0: Okay. I'm, I'm sure for, for many companies, um, this is going to be a completely new challenge, um, simply right. because data, d- data now uh, going forward has a different kind of significance and it becomes a, a hygiene factor to have a strong data governance in place. So definitely something, um, that, you know, many people will be, um, dealing with going, going forward. Um, yeah. You know, on a different note, uh, Tiankai, what what do you? I mean, we talked about Chat uh, GPT uh, helping you to to compose a song, but what other um, uh, AI tools do you use, uh, kind of on a regular basis?
1: Yeah. Um, I've been playing around a little bit with Jasper, so that's like a AI tool that helps you write copies and marketing content, actually. Uh, but more just out of for fun, to be honest. Like I just wanted to see how good it can be, and I'm pretty impressed actually at this point on how authentic human being and human speech it can already kind of imitate to make marketing content. But that's also heavily based on advertising, just having its own specific language, right? And you kind of know <laughs> that it's more about selling and basically making you need something, and that is where it's all geared towards. Uh, I've been also playing around with uh, generative AI on images, so with Adobe Firefly and Merch Journey, um, and that has been pretty cool, just um, learning how to prompt it and um, how to generate really impressive pictures as well has been really cool. Um, and lastly, also as a musician, right, um, I've been playing around with Emperor Music, and that is also basically generating for you also specific melodies and uh, sung out lyrics as well. Also pretty impressive for the current state of AI um, of what's possible there. Um, But yeah, but that's uh, what I'm doing just um, in my free time a lot, playing with these kind of AI tools at this point.
0: (laughs) I mean, this this breach is another interesting uh, topic, which, you know, is also in a sense related to governance. Um, You know, it's the question of intellectual property. I mean, relatively recently, there was a case where I think uh, Drake was able to um, get through a cease and desist order for a, a song that was yep. uh, generated through AI, which uh, you know was then very very similar to to one that he would have possibly um, uh, created, and and you mentioned Adobe Firefly, and, and here I think actually Adobe is is a kind of a trailblazer by having pretty much solved all the IP issues. So all the images that you generate with Firefly are all um, not uh, in conflict with with any kind of uh, proprietary um, intellectual property issues. So. What do you think going forward? You know, are some of the big big hurdles, or maybe also strategies to, to overcome? Because if we feed LLMs with you know intellectual property, and this then kind of gets you know recycled, uh, to put it in simple terms, I mean that that that's a huge issue because people will be um, you know kind of stripped of their of their property rights and, and not able to to maybe monetize their intellectual
1: property that is very true i actually also just re- I read this morning actually another uh, legal case where um, a few authors mentioned that uh, chatgpt was summarizing their books very well and that would have been only possible if the books were fed to the uh, llms but they never allowed that to happen before right so how could it that happen basically it's it's very interesting i feel like um, the main issue there is that when authors or creative people publish their content and their works, they never knew that AI would in the end get to it, right? At that point in time, it was meant for human audiences, not for AI basically to identify patterns within it. But inevitably that happened. And so it's now new territory for everyone, right? So everybody's a bit confused and scared by their, hearing their own voice in a different, um, complete different environment. Um, that their books can be summarized and reinvented in different ways all of a sudden. Um, it's it's very um, difficult. I, I would say there's there needs to be definitely a whole talk about legal things. I would say, like, where does uh, intellectual property start and end? How does um, your almost like human uniqueness uh, uh, play a role in all of this? What is possible to use from you as a human being from your brain or your likeness or your voice and what isn't and what is basically where can we all find an agreement that it's okay to do so and not okay to do otherwise. So far, for me, it even feels like a whole gray area, like the gray area is much bigger than black and white at this point. There, And uh, I'm very torn too. like and me being a data person has an opinion, but me as a musician also has a different opinion about it. So it's very hard for me to have um, also like a consistent point of view on this so far. But I would like to talk about it more, to be fair. Like I would like to get more opinions about this too from others. <laughs>
0: No, definitely. I mean, I think that's a, a, you know, discourse as a society we need to have. And it will also have to lead to, to certain regulation. I mean, you know, the topic of, of deep fake has been around mm-hmm. for a bit longer than the more recent discussion on, on, on AI and, and chat GPT. But there is, of course, a, a huge risk that, you know, a lot of content is created, uh, almost instantly, um, which, you know, is, is, spreading um, uh, fake news or, or conspiracies or is being instrumentalized in, in a negative way and and so here we're, we're touching again a bit on maybe the, the fears the concerns. but um, that's what we need to to address and, and, and that's where we need to form positions. that's where we need to set up rules and, and like you said, I mean that's been um, almost with any kind of technology just something a society needs to needs to deal with. So again, coming away from the from the the scary parts, um, yes. what what are you looking for to the most? Um, you know personally, maybe not even related to to you know what this means in terms of productivity for for companies, but just You know you personally what's kind of your biggest hope in in the development of ai over the next few years yeah um
1: i i would say i'm really looking forward to just the tedious task in my life to get more automated through ai right and that means as much uh, basically trying to fit in things into my calendar where hopefully that can get a little bit smarter or um how to write like a First, email to specific people and finding the tonality and helping me a little bit with how to break the ice, for example. But even like uh, doing research, right? And like uh, not having to read a million papers myself, but get it like partly summarized first, for example, to get already a feeling and then know what to dive deeper on. That is really helpful, it feels like. And that is what I'm looking to look forward to a lot. Um, yeah. So basically, making my life easier. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs>
0: Great. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think um, getting rid of, of, of tedious uh, tasks is, is definitely something we can all look forward to. And, and, and that's then again, what will I think not just impact um, us on a personal level, but then we're back to the topic of, of productivity and, and being able to, to focus our limited time on, on other things um, yeah. uh, where you know, the, the human element, the human factor makes the difference. I think that's that's definitely something to look forward to. Well, Tiancai, it's um, uh, been been great talking to you. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you shared some insights on on what it means um, uh, to harness uh, data um, for good and, and and to the benefit of, of all of us. Um, definitely something that you know within our organization, um, something we're, we're we're dealing with. But we have a long way ahead of us, so that's mm-hmm. that's definitely a, a new challenge. And um, great to to see how. You know, you're able to to bring together um, the world of creativity um, with the the world of, of data, which and I think that's something you were able to portray. It might be a bit dry at first, but that's actually misunderstanding. There's huge potential in in, in, in data, and then what it what it means for for the the artificial intelligence tools of of today and of tomorrow. So, thank you very much, and um, I loved your your TED talk. So we'll be sharing that as well um with with our listeners going forward great thank you so much thanks for having me. where can we um where can we find more about you maybe um do you, do you have a, a homepage or or um are you on social media you can maybe just quickly um share also with the listeners how they can how they can look you up
1: Sure. I think the easiest way is to connect with me on LinkedIn, so I'm pretty present there. Um, I also have a YouTube channel where I post sometimes some uh, data-related music or just other music parts that hopefully a lot of people can relate to. Um, and that is a little bit my musician part of it all. But yeah, those two channels will be nice.
0: Fantastic. We'll, we'll share those with our audience. I okay. thank you very much for your, for your time and um, hope to speak soon again.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.